The EC Podcast exists to equip believers to make disciples and love others for the glory of Jesus Christ. My name is Bobby Payne, and welcome to episode number 14, Why Do We Still Sin? With me today are Pastor Aaron Case, Pastor Jonathan Mitchell, and back from Neverland, Pastor Gary Singleton. (laughs) It's great to be back. We thought you were lost forever. (laughs) We were questioning Christy's motives. We're so happy to have you back. Uh, We are now complete in our room. And we are ready to tackle a topic today of why we still sin. And so uh, that's where we're starting, and we're going to jump right in. And someone just help me figure out here, as saved people, and we hear um, from the pulpit, and we read in our Bible that, uh, you know, Christ died to save us from our sin, and yet... Here we are, as safe people, continuing to sin. Somebody help us out here. There's a lot that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> That's a loaded question, <laughs> yeah. I know. It is a loaded question, for sure. I think the best place that we can go to, I think it's something that, that G wants to read. But we know that this is, like, we all look at Paul as someone who, you know, is an, an incredible example of faith, an incredible example of a follower of Jesus Christ. And... Even in his life, he's pretty honest and, and open with, look, there's some there's sin in my life, sins of omission and commission that that I do. And it's important to, to read that. And that comes off the hills of Romans 6, right? Like when he's talking to the, the believers in Rome, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Because they're having this problem just like, well, I want God's grace to be known by how he forgives my sin. So I'm just going to do it no matter what. And we want to understand that that's, that's wrong. That's, that's far fetched that that's out there. But we also want to balance the truth of, well, I know as a follower of Jesus in my pursuit of holiness, I'm still stumbling and falling. Why does that happen? And so I think that's what we want to talk about today. What we want to read about and then maybe break down and discuss is, yeah, there is this war going on uh, with the flesh and the spirits and something we, we even mentioned last episode and the enemies that we fight. And so we want to make sure that we understand that is, as Pastor Aaron talked about last week in our episode, we're not about, we're, we are not people who believe in sinless perfectionism. You know, that's a, uh, honestly a pretty heretical thing to teach uh, because it, it's, it's not something that we attain this side of, of glory. And so I think today we want to talk about that stage in life between being justified before God uh, through faith in Christ alone and being glorified on the last day. All right. So, G, why don't you start us off with the scripture that you've got right here? Amen. Uh, in the book of Romans, start in Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 15. 
the Apostle Paul wrote, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the laws of sin dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So basically right, we're, we're still in our flesh. Yeah. This, this is why we still sin. And, and there's a process of sanctification going on as Johnny laid out for us and G read for the, from the scriptures. Uh, Paul, one of the greatest men to ever walk this earth, um, still struggled with sin. Like he had the desire to do what was right, um, but in his flesh, he doesn't have the ability. And so, you know, maybe that's that's a good place to kind of begin is to talk about the differences, I guess, in what we have as abilities as Christians, right? Yeah. And, and what we have outside of Christ. Like outside of Christ, we are being dominated by sin. Mm-hmm. There, there is no victory on our side because in our flesh, as Paul just said, we can have no victory. But thanks be to God for all of us who have faith. Um, Jesus has overcome for us. And there, there's a great quote from John Piper that I wrote down that says, sin is seeking satisfaction in something other than Christ. And so anytime that we see something or someone or anything, that it, some, any sort of idol that is more satisfying to us than Jesus, and we choose that over Christ, that's when we sin. It's not finding all of our satisfaction in him. And so because we're still in our flesh, this battle is going to rage until we go to glory. And so we need to understand, no, I'm not going to be perfect, but there's also a difference, right? I know, gee, you're given an example of, you know, how in your flesh, you know, you're a one way, but, you know, now that you're redeemed and saved, things are different. Do you care, Sharon? Uh, no, um, uh, before I was saved, and I didn't get saved till I was 29 years old, I had a very bad temper. I had a very um, real anger problem in which I would want to physically fight other people. Uh, sometimes I was just waiting for someone to say uh, the wrong word to me to engage in a, in a fight with them. And... When I got saved, that part of me, um, I can say in the Bible it says you're no longer a slave to sin once you're in Christ. And I, I absolutely 100% um, confer with that. Like, mm-hmm. um, 
every once in a while, um, the old Gary uh, does come back, and I do get angry. And um, but it's not all the time. It's not. Uh, I'm not defined by that anymore. That doesn't. When you think of Gary, people think of me as hopefully. Uh, people think of me as a, uh, a nice guy that, that loves others, that treats others with respect. Um, and prior to that, Gary was not that kind of person. And But every once in a while, Gary, something uh, will trigger that in me. And the old sinful nature comes back. And I do get angry. But I'm so sorrowful I'm, I'm so sorry for what I have done I'm it's not I'm I repent I repent to the people that were there that saw me that way and I repent to God um, that I have sinned against the holy God whereas before before I got saved um, that was just who I was um, just like a wild dog that does what it wants to do, that's what I did. And now, um, you know, as Paul is saying, I do the things I don't want to do. When I get angry, I don't want to get angry anymore. That's not who I am. Um, you know, and thanks be to God that it is so. And But I would say that, uh, yes, I am free from sin. I am no longer a slave to that sin. But at the same time, I'm still in this imperfect body of flesh that my that the Holy Spirit now wars against inside of me. So what I'm hearing is that even as Christians, that sin is still like a default setting almost in our in in ourselves. You were reading in Romans and a couple of things that kind of stood out. Nothing good dwells in me, right? That that person who we know of, like Paul, who did so many great things, we still see that struggle coming along. And then also it mentions there's this war going on within within you between the the lust of the flesh, which we talk about all the time here, and and the desire to do right. Um, now, what we're heading towards though is what that difference is between someone who is a follower of Christ and how sin controls them or or where sin sneaks up on them and those who are not followers of Christ and how sin has control over them. Yeah, I, I, this is such an important thing because I know and we should be sorrowful over our sin. It's a It's a truth. But the fact that we are sorrowful is one of the great testimonies that you are a child of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, there is a problem that we still sin. So I'm not saying, well, you know, you're going to sin. That's it. Don't worry about it. But there is a vast difference in someone who has been bought by the blood of Jesus for someone who's not. And what we should be wowed by the fact of it, of the matter is, is that now by faith in Christ and by his righteousness being given to us, we can now please the father. And, you know, Romans eight, right after what Paul has just said in Romans seven, you know, those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. Um, they, they do not submit to the law of God. They cannot do it. And so thanks be to God, though, as, as Paul says at the end of Romans 7, like we've been delivered from this body of death. Now, will we still fall? Yes, but 
it, we are now awake and aware of the fact that we are in a war. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite sermon illustrations is uh, Ben Stewart. Um, he's a pastor up in uh, Washington, D.C. And he, he talks about that there's two men in war, two types of, of soldiers. He said one is not phased by the bullets and the bombs when they when the bullets whiz by his head and when the bombs go off. He, he doesn't move. It doesn't bother him. He's, it's like he's not even aware of it. The other is dodging and honestly kind of scared and very aware of the fact that they're in a war. And he's, he asks the question, what's the difference? And I'm thinking when he asks the question, oh, man, I want to be that first guy. Sounds pretty like he sounds awesome. And, you know, like a man's man, he goes, one's dead and one's alive. Hmm. And that's the truth of the matter is the war going on in Paul's mind in Romans 7. And for us as believers is, okay, yeah, sometimes we do the things that we don't want to do, but thanks be to God, we don't want to do them. <laughs> like, you know, like there's things that we know that we ought to do and we're not doing them. Well, thanks be to God that we know that we ought to do them. Mm-hmm. So now, like by the grace of God, we can, we can pursue those things. We can pursue to abstain from things that God's called us to stay away from and then pursue the things that God has called us to do. And that's the vast difference. Like you've been freed from the power of, of sin's domain. Amen. And I think, I think of, the reaction that you have to the truths written down in sacred scripture testifies to the spirit's life within you. Um, you know, obviously we're a church that has been very outspoken, um, for the right to life for all people from the beginning, like, as we say, from the womb all the way to the tomb. And what we would say is we are compelled by sacred scripture to fight for those things and and to speak out against those things, just like other sins, not just what, um, you know, is always spoken of, but adultery, drunkenness, um, you know, all the way down the line, go through Romans 6, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 6. Um, but the thing of it, the matter is, is do you know that what you're doing is sin, as Johnny just said, and will you turn from that sin when confronted by it, or will you double down and do you make it a lifestyle? If you can live openly in sin, then the spirit is absent in your life because God will not allow us to continually run into sin and to live for it when we're his. He will chastise us like a good father. I think it goes back to, and we, again, I say this a lot, but things that we've covered in the past, and it's the, you know, as someone who has truly been, uh, changed and been bought by the blood of Christ will reflect the fruits of the Spirit, and those that aren't, just as you were saying, reflect the lust of the flesh. And those will be where you find yourself instead of in the fruits of the Spirit and in the will of God. Well, Hebrews 12 is, I know we're going to go there eventually. Can I re- Let me just read that, and then you guys give me your thoughts. But Hebrews 12, uh, verse 5, says, My son... Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which you all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who've disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of the Spirits and live? 
For they disciplined us for a short time as it seems best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty good bottom line right there. We, the very thing that we can, in our flesh, just hate, in the Spirit, we welcome. Because we know that our Father is pointing us to a better way, and that's a life of holiness that is pleasing unto Him. So do we want to move on to our next our next point, talking about the penalty and the power of how sin was dealt with? Uh, that way we can kind of keep moving in this direction here. Yeah, I think, I think it's helpful to understand uh, for the believer in regards to sin, it is something that we're still, we still are battling against. But as we talked about last week, it's, a, it's an enemy and a foe that's been defeated and dealt with Amen. by Christ on his cross. Think about Colossians 2. Um, it says, And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumc- uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt, so the penalty, the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside and nailing it to the cross. And then listen to this. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So you have the penalty of sin, the the record of debt that we that we owed is nailed to the cross. So now the penalty of sin no more, and then the power of sin, it's dominion over us. That well, it, the rulers and authorities are put to open shame. Jesus triumphs them o- over them on the cross, and so now we live not just free from the penalty of sin, but we live free from having to live as G was saying earlier. Uh, under slavery to sin, we've now been set free in Christ to pursue holiness by God's grace. And it's a, a wonderful reality, and I think we may have said it on here before. I, I've said it many times, trying to be an encouragement to friend, trying to be an encouragement to myself so many times. If I can trust Jesus with my eternity, like the greatest miracle of all, to save me from sin and death, the eternal hell and damnation, then I can certainly... I can certainly trust him to walk in holiness today and tomorrow and however long he wills for me to live. Mm-hmm. Like if he can deal with its penalty, we know he can also deal with its power. Mm-hmm. And he, he did that on the cross. He dealt with it. And so we've, we've now, as Paul would describe in Romans six, like we've died to sin. We've sin has been put to death in our mortal bodies through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so now we are able, you know, something that we talked about before, if we believe in Jesus, we're able to pursue righteousness, something that we could not do um, in our flesh. And so once again, we're not being held down. If you could kind of think of it that way, like constantly being pulled back by the chains of sin because the, that chain's been completely broken apart. Um, just two things I want to add real quick. Um, one, um, there's no such thing as someone not sinning anymore after they've been saved. Uh, the Bible says in First John chapter one, um, uh, at the starting in verse eight, if we say we have no sin, 
we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Um, we need to understand that um, when we are saved, um, that doesn't mean we're not going to sin anymore, but that does mean we're not going to make a practice of sinning. Like Aaron was referring to earlier, um, there's a difference in being, um, you know, falling from time to time um, and someone who makes a practice as someone who is defined by that sin. Uh, there's a, a complete difference. Um, the sanctification of the Lord, I, um, there's been several instances since I've gotten saved where the Lord has dealt with me about sin um, that I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, it, but it did. And one of them in particular I just want to mention uh, was the music I was listening to. It was, uh, you know, it, I didn't think anything of it. I, I grew up on Metallica and then um, started listening to... Um, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was just that screaming type music. And I didn't think anything of it, but I was driving home from work one day. And I, I didn't hear anything, but it was the Lord tugging on my heart and just saying, just, and it was like, are you glorifying me right now? Hmm. And I got home and I took all my CDs and I broke them in half so that nobody could get them. You know, because I was afraid someone might dig through the trash and find my CDs that I was listening to. And, um, I'm just using that as an example of some things over the years where the Lord has just dealt with my heart and dealt with all the baggage that came with me when I got saved. I was, like I said, I was 29 years old. I had a lot of baggage. And the Lord over the years has dealt with um, different sins in my life and convicted me over my sin and and that's not to say that um like i said earlier um it very rare but every once in a while uh, something will trigger my anger and i get angry but i'm so sorrowful for what i have done uh, to god and to those around me and praise god i feel that way like johnny's saying like if I didn't, if I didn't feel, if I wasn't struggling, um, then there's something wrong. If I didn't feel that conviction in my heart and something's wrong, it's like what Aaron read in Hebrews 12. Those God loves, he disciplines hmm. and praise God. He disciplines us. He disciplines his children because he loves us. And I, um, am grateful for that. It's just, uh, there's a song, uh, sweetly broken, um, like that's how I feel like like the Lord sweetly broke me to to um, conform me into the image of his son and and I think that's one of the main points that we're trying to get at is that um, a saved person does feel that interaction or however you'd like to put it that that feeling of remorse or sorrow to conviction. say the, yeah the conviction that's the word I was looking for to say this this is not what I'm I need to be doing and and so that happens for the saved person that does not happen 
that's for right. the unsaved. That's right. When you look at Ephesians 2, which we're memorizing right now uh, for Power 52, um, breaks this down well. It does almost everything well. But are we gonna hold on? We should pause yeah. and just let the listeners at home recite the first twelve verses because yeah. that's what we've gone through up to this point. Do the twelve and then you should have hit it pause. By now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but <laughs> okay, continue. All right, verse thirteen. It says this: But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Isn't that good? Yeah. For He Himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility uh, by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. I mean, that, that is what our amazing Savior has done. We can fight. We have victory over sin, not a freedom from it, not until the final enemy is done and we're before Christ, but we now have freedom to not be enslaved to sin. It can no longer drag us down. We simply must fight with the truths of the scripture, trusting the Holy Spirit to convict us and lead us into truth, and then walking in that truth for others to see, proclaiming the goodness of our God along the way. Yeah, and I think that's probably where we'll, we'll get to in just a moment is there is, a, there is a responsibility for us. We don't just sit back and go, okay, deal with it, God. I'm struggling with this sin, you know, free me from watching pornography, free me from uh, the desire to chase money more than anything else, free me from whatever it might be. And then while we do nothing to change that, right? So there's a responsibility. I want to share this powerful quote. I think it's really cool. When we think about, okay, we're still struggling with sin, but there is a change in in mind and in heart and then ultimately in action. and this is what Tim Challey said about it. He says, we, we being believers, succumb to temptations either from our own evil desires, James 1.13, or from the world or the devil, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. But this is, a, this is different from a settled disposition. He says further, to paraphrase from Sinclair Ferguson on John Owen, our sin is a burden that afflicts us rather than a pleasure that delights us. That's the change in a believer and uh, a believer from an unbeliever is now sin afflicts us. It burdens us. It brings sorrow and conviction where before it was a delight to do. We had no, we had no understanding of how awful it is. And in fact, we chased it because we enjoyed it. And so that's, that's the switch that happens. And so now it's like, okay, well, how do we fight that? And maybe that's where we want to kind of wrap up today, but but I think there is a purpose into while we're not just perfectly glorified the instant Christ saves us. So as we start wrapping this thing up, what would you say is God's will for us as his followers, knowing that we continue to sin and continue to fall in temptation? Uh, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse, starting in verse 3, uh, God says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, and not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgresses and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness." Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, 
who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Wow. Yeah, that, I mean, that's so good. We, we have a holy calling upon our lives as Christians, right? And God's will, his perfect will for his children is our sanctification. So what does that mean? He is the one who begins the work. What do we know about him when he begins a work? He's going to complete it. Amen. Amen. Right? Like, so we're going to get to sanctification. That is his will for us to, to create us and mold us daily into the image of his son until the day that we're face to face with his son. So this is a work that's being done in us and through us. And meanwhile, this is, you know, we would say, obviously, salvation is a monergistic work. We've talked about that before. It's a work of God alone. But our sanctification is a synergistic work where we are working with God because we've been freed by his spirit to walk in holiness and truth, to crucify the flesh daily. We have that privilege now to take all that sin to him. And this is his will for us, that we would fight, that we would get into the word, that we would pray, which we're going to be talking about uh, next week. But we would pray and we would take our supplications to him, trusting him to lead us and guide us as a father, a loving father who has so much patience with the failing flawed vessels that he is, he has purchased, but his will will be done. We know that he will complete this process. And as his children, because we bear the spirit, we will be faithful to crucify it daily as we walk in spirit and truth. And this is what's such a cool thing is we talk about being synergistic, but all that makes sanctification possible still flows from the grace of God. So it's such a beautiful thing. Uh, Hebrews 10, 14, it says for by a single offering, Jesus, he has perfected for all time. Those who are being sanctified. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could like literally read it. He's perfected for all time. Those who are being perfected. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that we've been declared, but also something that we're still walking to um, fully attain. And God, in his infinite wisdom and providence and by his grace, has given us everything we need to walk in that. And so in order to fight against sin, in order to pursue righteousness and all that is in this life as a follower of Jesus, God has supplied us with everything we need. And that's what Second Peter 1 says, that he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Um, and so... This comes through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. Um, he's granted us to, to us his precious and very great promises so that through, the, through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. And then it says, for this very reason, I love this, make every effort. Like So because you've been given this, with everything you got, pursue holiness. And it goes on to basically supplement your faith with virtue. Do the right things because... Now you can. And I love in uh, Philippians 2, um, you know, Pastor just mentioned Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, right after you have this incredible um, monologue uh, by Paul about who Jesus is and what he's done. It says in verse 12, therefore, so because Jesus has been highly exalted and given the name that is above every other name, because of that, he says, my beloved, as you, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So work this out. And I love what a, a pastor at our church camp said this year. He says, you can work 
it out because it is within you. Like let what's in you come out of you. And so work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Then it goes on to say, say this, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so to why, why do we still struggle with sin? Because we need to be reminded every single day that we desperately, desperately need the grace of God, like all the time. And that's where I would just simply close is in this battle against sin daily go to the grace of God, knowing you need it much as much today as you did the first time it ever came to you. And John Piper says this, so God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. We, we have been saved. We're being saved. We're still going to be saved on the last day. And he says he sanctifies us slowly and makes us fill up every day at his pump, lest we forget where the gas comes from. I, I think, well, what a beautiful way to understand this is we need to be reminded daily how much we need God. And I think that's why we're not just instantly transformed, glorified, is because God delights to make us holy by his grace day by day, lest we forget he's the one we need to, to do so. Amen. I think someone has some scripture they want to read from First John. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, First John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when, when you battle, Christian, understand that you can bring your transgressions, your sins to God. He didn't purchase you not understanding what he would receive or what you would do or how you would fail. He, he knew. He has perfect knowledge. So rest in that. Rest in the fact that he knows you already better than you. And he, yet he seeks this deep relationship with you where he leads and guides you like a loving father, like the good shepherd that he is, not forsaking us, not seeing the wickedness within us and running from us, but understand that he is molding you and moving you into a place of holiness to prepare you to present as a gift on the last day. Like literally, we are a gift from the Father to the Son. Like don't forget that. Even in your worst day, God didn't transform you to leave you. He transformed you to bring you into a perfect place of where we will be ready for his presence. So whenever you sin, confess that sin because our Father is good and he's faithful to forgive. Amen. Gentlemen, is there anybody else that'd like to add anything before we close? Thank you for today. Thank you for this discussion on the topic of why do we still sin? Thank you for pointing us through Scripture, leading us through Scripture, pointing us to Jesus. Uh, as we see that this is a part of the transformation process to become like Christ, to, to be perfect for the groom when that day comes. And so thank you very much for that. And let's close in prayer. Pastor Jonathan, will you close us, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this time with uh, my brothers here. And Father, I pray that we would remember that until the day that we see you, we will still stumble. We will fall short of your glory. But I thank you that, as we just read, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so remind us daily, Father, how much we desperately need you.
Uh, Give us the grace to stand. Give us the grace to walk in holiness. Um, Remind us uh, when we do fall that you are a good and loving Father who disciplines those whom he loves. And uh, Father, I pray that you would just use this time uh, as we we continue to grow and we uh, continue to be conformed into the image of your Son. Um, I pray that you would use this time to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus um, and also equip us for every good work um, that you prepared beforehand. Uh, We thank you so much for the life, death, and resurrection of your Son. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the EC Podcast. If you do not have a church family, you can join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 630 p.m. If you are outside the area, we encourage you to find a Bible-believing church for fellowship and worship. Until next time, God bless.